So the last six weeks, we've been talking about why Jesus and pulling from the gospel stories where Jesus encounters people who just don't believe, and they have questions for him, and we've looked at their questions and the response of Jesus as he's talked to those who were just in dialogue with him, wondering, not yet really convinced that he was the Messiah and the Savior of the world. And so today we come to this moment on Resurrection Day when we're asking the question, why Jesus? And the answer is self-evident. He rose from the grave. And that's why we serve him and love him and worship him. He is the Son of God and Savior of the world. As we come to the text today, we have the mystery of Christ that was hidden from the foundation of the world, but is now revealed and made known through the good news of the gospel. And you find it in Luke chapter 24, a mystery that is hidden, which is now being revealed. At the proper time, God spoke and brought the fullness of his revelation to we who live on this planet. And that fullness came in Christ himself and his death and resurrection. It was by the command of the eternal God that this mystery was made known. If you feel like it's a mystery, that's all right. It was a mystery. And we're going to talk about that mystery. The road to Emmaus was a place where two disciples of Jesus encountered a third person as they walked along. That third person began to open up to them the Scriptures. They didn't know it was Jesus until he broke bread in front of them. They were having that conversation, returning back to the disciples, telling them they'd seen Jesus on the road to Emmaus. In verse 36 of chapter 24 of Luke, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bone as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. They have experienced the arrest and the trial and the crucifixion of Jesus. This they knew 
to be real. They were living in the aftermath of his gruesome death. Sometimes it feels like death just swallows everything. Like death and suffering is the summation of all things. Sometimes we get trapped in that place. I was walking this morning out here in the parking lot and observed again that great cemetery out here with all the crosses on the top of the mausoleums. And I remembered when I walked this parking lot and looked out there and there was water filling that cemetery for three weeks. And all those crosses were seen twice. Once in the bright sunshine and again in their reflection in the water that flooded not only that cemetery but our city. And it seemed to me that sin and death and trouble were twice as bad as they had been before. You experience that sometimes. And these disciples have been traumatized by all that had happened to the one they loved, to their Lord. And then they hear the rumors that he is risen from the dead. And some of them say, no, it cannot be. And others wonder. And so they are confused. They are afraid. They are too confused, really, to receive the peace that Jesus speaks to them when he appears in their midst. He says, peace be with you. I think because he knew how troubled they were, how their hearts had turned inside out and upside down by all the events that had come before, and still they were not at peace. Even having heard that Jesus was risen from the dead, that the tomb was empty, they had no peace inside. They were too confused to be at peace, too afraid to be at peace. Now, Jesus wants them to do two things in their confusion and their trouble. And you would be confused too if somebody you buried in Greenwood Cemetery showed up three days later before you, visible and in the flesh, you'd say, this cannot be. What does this mean? And that's what is happening to these disciples. Jesus says to them, I want you to look at my hands. There are two things Jesus wants them to do. The first is he wants them to look at his hands and his feet because he wants them to know it's really him. Jesus himself appeared among them, and he wants them to know it's really me. On the, the road to Emmaus, he was known in the breaking of bread, I think because for the first time, those two disciples walking with him suddenly looked at his hands as he broke that bread and served them, and they realized this is Jesus. So he shows them his hands and his feet to confirm that it is indeed him. They will need this information as they share the good news with a world that is very skeptical, that scoffs at the idea of dead men rising from the grave. And so to be sure that these eyewitnesses understood, he showed them his hands and his feet. It really is me. And then he said, I'm not a ghost. Yeah, they were thinking, this is an apparition of some kind. This is a spirit. What is going on here? It can't really be him. So he says, look, does a ghost have flesh and bones as you see I have? And then he invites them to touch him. Go ahead and touch me. Now, what he wants them to know is not just that he is Jesus, but that he is real. He's not an apparition. 
He's not a vision or a spirit or a ghost. He is real. His body that was placed in that grave came out of that grave alive never to die again. It was just too good to be true. They touch him. They look at those scars. It's just too good to be true. They still don't believe it. Because of joy and amazement, the scripture says, they still don't believe it. And Jesus invites them to confirm what he has spoken to them so that they will surely understand that it is he and that he is real. Dead men don't rise. It seems like a fundamental law of human history and of the world. Dead men don't rise. And yet Jesus went into that grave. He died on that cross. He was buried. He went into that grave. And three days later, he is standing before them. He comes out of that grave, and it is really him. It is mind-boggling. It is it's incredible. It's just too good to be true. And so people have sold the resurrection as fake news. It's fake good news, you know. It's good news. He's risen, but, you know, it was kind of a spiritual event. Somewhere his body decayed. It's still deca- they went to the wrong grave. You know, the disciples stole. Something happened. But spiritually, I mean, it's a great story. You know, it's springtime. The leaves come back on the trees. You have the eggs that are a symbol of new life. So that's really what Easter's all about, the symbol of the cycle of life, that there's new life. It's really just fake news, you know. He didn't actually rise from the dead. His body still decayed. Jesus wants it confirmed in their mind, in their heart, that this is not fake news, that he has risen from the dead, that he has conquered death just like he said he would. This is what I told you. This is what was going to happen so that when they go before princes and kings and the rulers of the world, they will have the confidence to say, no, I saw him, I felt him, I touched him, I saw the nail prints in his hands. It was Jesus, and he was real. Because from the very first, people were going to question it. It was a mass hypnotic event, somebody said. Paul records, as do the gospel writers, that different folks saw him at different times, not only right after the resurrection, but for a period of 40 days. And Paul records more than 500 people saw him at once. And he said, and some of them are still alive. You can go ask them. We think, well, this is ancient history, you know, preacher. That happened 2,000 years ago. I mean, who really knows what happened? It was 2,000 years ago. How do you confirm such a thing? The thing about it is, for Peter, it was two minutes ago. You know, for the women, it was two hours ago. It was two days ago or two weeks ago. It was right then. It was right there. It was in their face. They were eyewitnesses of what was going on. And so you have the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, recording these post-resurrection appearances of Jesus as incredible and unbelievable as they may be to you. They were equally so to their peers in the first century. 
And they scoffed and they made fun and they threw him in jail and they beat him and they killed him over this message they proclaimed to the world that Jesus rose from the dead and that he was alive. These confused, afraid men who had no idea this was going to happen, even though Jesus told them they just couldn't receive it. They became ambassadors to their world, saying, we saw him, he is alive. If it seems too good to be true to you, if it still feels like fake news, you have not yet received the simple testimony of these men and women who went to the tomb and found it empty. These ancient testimonies. And so today, on this Resurrection Day, we stand on the shoulders of Luke, the careful historian and physician, who wrote, yes, they saw him alive. He was really Jesus, and he was real. But those disciples were too close-minded to understand. Jesus goes through the description of what was told about him in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms, and you can look back there and read amazing things about Jesus in the Old Covenant. Jesus taught them for three years. It must have been the best seminary experience anybody could ever have, students, don't you think? I mean, there was no greater teacher than Jesus. He taught them for three years, and they still didn't get it. You know? Jesus died on the cross, and they all ran and hid somewhere. They didn't get it. This is not a group of emboldened men who are going to go steal a body. These guys are frightened and confused and afraid, and they feel threatened. They're afraid they're going to be next. They're going to kill us too. In fact, that's what Thomas said. Well, he's got to go to Jerusalem, so we'll just go so we can die with him. That's what they all thought. They were in the finest seminary in the world for three years, and they still didn't get it. I want you to get this. He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. He opened their minds. Somebody in here has a closed mind still. And Jesus wants to open your mind to understand the Scriptures. See, what Jesus is going to do is help these Jews who have been memorizing the Torah all their life who have been reading the prophets and the Psalms all their life, who have been under his tutelage for the last three years, he's going to help them understand the Scriptures from the point of view of his death and resurrection. So he wants Peter and John and Andrew to stand right here in this truth now. It's really me. I'm alive. Look, look at the marks on my hands. Feel. All right, now, now get it. This is the greatest news the human race has ever heard. And you need to stand right here 
When you go back to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, when you read the Psalms and you read the prophets, you need to stand right here in the resurrection and it'll open your mind. This is where God was going all along, right here. This is the culmination. It is the climactic moment. God has been working through Abraham and his descendants to bring his word to the people and the nations of the earth. But in this climactic moment, he spoke to us through his son. And the scriptures read differently. The world looks different when you stand in this moment. For a moment, contemplate it. Just think about it. Jesus has risen from the dead. It's not a resuscitation. He's not about to die again of complications from his crucifixion. He has risen from the dead never to die again. He opened their mind to understand, hey, the Creator loves you. He made you as His unique creation. It was an act of love and power on his part. But he wanted to rescue you from sin and death. And so he sent his only son to die on the cross in your place and be raised on the third day. This is the mystery hidden from the foundation of the earth, made known and revealed through Jesus God's Son and our Savior. He opened their mind to understand the Scripture. Something there mentally. You know, the Scripture says, come let us reason together, says the Lord. Okay? All of us enjoy reason. Some of us feel like we're people who specialize in logic, if it makes sense to me. The psalmist says, come let us reason together. Okay? Let's come up to the table and reason together. And then the psalmist says, though your sin be as scarlet. Here we are reasoning together. And he says, though your sin be as scarlet, it shall be as white as snow. Though it looks like crimson, it shall be as wool. And in this reasoning process, the psalmist goes right to our sin and its stain on our soul. Jesus does the same thing when he talks about this new orientation, this opening of our minds. He talks about how the scriptures prophesied that he would die and on the third day be brought back to life. And then they would proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sin among all the nations. Repentance and the forgiveness of sin are linked to the death and resurrection of Jesus right here in his very words. Let's reason together. You know about sin. You know about brokenness. You know about failure. You know about shame and guilt. These are common human emotions. They happen in our hearts. We live with them sometimes, sometimes All our life we struggle with them. We never get it resolved inside. We know that we are broken. We can't live one perfect day, let alone a perfect life. We fail miserably so often, so many times. And so we know ourselves to be this way. And the death and resurrection of Jesus, which we celebrate today, is inextricably linked to your condition 
spiritually and morally. You are in need of rescue. God knew that from the very first, from the very first of the Bible, when Adam and Eve sinned, God said, I'm going to send the seed of the woman who will crush the head of the serpent. And so God calls us to look inside and see our need. And from the point of view of our need, reason how a holy God would rescue us. See, nobody anticipated God would become flesh in Jesus of Nazareth. The the teachers and the rabbis, they had no idea this was going to happen. They thought the Messiah was going to be a national deliverer. A fellow to accomplish Jewish things in the Jewish world and hope maybe the Gentiles would be blessed some too. And that's not what God was up to. God was up to in the promised one. He was up to solving the central problem of being human. Our failure and loss. Our sin and our need of forgiveness. And so a holy God who made us sent his son to save us. And in order to assure us that it was indeed him, he let him die, buried in the ground. Three days later, he raised him from the dead. You're going to be my witnesses, Jesus says to these disciples who are excited and confused and afraid and amazed you're going to be my witnesses well these are the eyewitnesses they just need to march right out there into the world and share the good news tell everybody Jesus is risen from the dead they've got first hand evidence of it they touched him they saw the scars they know it was Jesus they know he was real so just go get out and out there and do it and no Jesus says I'm going to send you the promise of the father so I want you to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This message, this good news of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus needs the empowerment of the abiding Holy Spirit in your life. You can't just go out and say that you've got to have God working in you. And so you wait until you receive the power, until you're clothed with the power from on high, and then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. This is not a human activity. This is God at work in his world. We're gathered here on Resurrection Day. We're celebrating the, the momentous things that God did in the life, ministry, and resurrection of Jesus And yet he is still at work in the world, calling people to believe, calling people to himself that all nations might believe and obey those current in the first century and all that are to follow. This is the good news. This is the proclamation. This is the revealed mystery of God that all nations everywhere, people hear, and they will believe and obey and receive the forgiveness of sin. I'm amazed. Every week, as I read the reports of the care effect and what God does through business people and homemakers and college students and senior adults as they scatter into this community. I know some of you read those reports. Have you read them lately? 
Do you know, once again, we had prisoners trusting Jesus as Savior this very week. I mean, every week it seems somebody else is standing up and saying, I'm giving my life to Christ. And how has that happened? It's through the testimony of ordinary people who have believed in Jesus themselves and received the power from on high to be the witnesses God's called them to be. When we think about witnessing to the resurrection of Jesus, we get intimidated. We're afraid somebody will ask us to explain it. Explain the unexplainable, the inexplicable. I mean, how do you explain it? We're afraid somebody's going to challenge us. And so we hesitate to share the good news of Jesus. And Jesus says, I want you to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And I'm going to clothe you with power to do so. And I read these powerful stories of the transforming work of the Holy Spirit, not only in the lives of people who are believing, but in the lives of people who are witnessing to the glory of God and the faithfulness of Christ and the death and resurrection of our Lord. God is at work. He's mightily, mightily at work right here. And men and women and boys and girls are coming to faith in Christ through the proclamation of ordinary people who take the time to share this amazing news. Jesus says to the disciples, I told you this. This is what I told you. This is it. This is it. If your mind is closed, I challenge you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you as well. If you're thinking it's too good to be true, I assure you, one day you will need the hope and promise that you hear in the resurrection account of Jesus. You're going to need this in your life. Somebody dear to you, some spouse or parent or child is going to go into the grave before you and you're going to need the hope and promise that comes with this really good news. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, the mystery that we speak of is not just about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's not just that mystery hidden from the foundation of the earth and now revealed in Jesus, but it's also this mystery. Behold, I show you a mystery. You ready? Here's another mystery. It's connected to the first. I'm going to show you a mystery. We're not all going to sleep. We're going to be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. The trumpet shall sound, and we shall be changed. And somehow, the Bible says we're going to follow Jesus in this glorious transformation from what is corruptible to what is incorruptible, from what is mortal to what is immortal, from what is in the presence of sin to what is in the presence of God. God's going to do this in us and for us. And so the Bible says he came out of that grave, but he's only the first. He's only the first. When I go to my father's grave, I remind myself, Jesus came out of that grave, but he's only the first. And he's bringing all those who trust in him in a great victory train one day as we proclaim him King of kings and Lord of lords. 
To believe this account of the resurrection is to participate in the future of humanity, in the future of the world. This is where the world is going, culminating in Christ, the risen Lord. And you can be part of that today, part of that glorious future, trusting Jesus as Savior and placing your faith in Him. Bow with me, please. If you've never trusted in Jesus as Savior, but you want to, why not pray right now? Dear Lord, I believe you died on the cross for my sin, and you rose again from the dead. I know I'm a sinner, and I need you to forgive me. I ask you to come into my life and receive you as Lord and Savior. Would you pray that prayer, believe it in your heart? God sent his son Jesus to this earth to die and come out of that grave so that you would believe and experience new life. Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit to do his work in this room on this resurrection day in every heart. We who need to be witnesses clothed in power Lord, that you will send us out with a new sense of the power of the Holy Spirit to take care of all of our inadequacies as we share the good news about Jesus. God, we pray that you would draw people unto yourself who've never trusted you. And today would be the day of faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.